Hello and welcome to the Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan, I'm your host, and welcome to today's episode. We're going to talk about construction technology and really just innovation in general. I've had a lot of different thoughts on this lately and we're going to bounce around a little bit in this episode from uh, the world of technology, how startups are doing, uh, who's sold to who, as well as just the history of some innovations and how they've affected really the industry. So let's just dig in and get started. Really with construction technology, as with any technology, it's uh, going to be disruptive, uh, but maybe not initially. It'll be disruptive kind of over time because not everyone adopts it initially. Uh, Think of like automated teller machines, right? ATMs. So you know, initially this was a big disruption to the banking industry for bank tellers. Right now, you didn't need a bank did not need as many tellers because most people can now service themselves either through the kiosk, they could do it at different hours. So the bank really could operate more often, have a longer time span than just their eight or nine to five, you know, total banking hours. Um, like just this weekend. You know, I drove a couple miles um, for, took me a few minutes to get there to get cash from an ATM uh, so that I could pay the people's whose house we were staying at, right? I did that all after hours. Um, the other frequently used example is like, you know, you're selling buggy whips type of thing, right? Because the car took over that industry, right? The horse and buggy. So with that, there's no more farriers, right? The people that chew with the horse. There's probably maybe one buggy whip manufacturer, um, if any, or if they're just all handmade. Um, same with the carriage manufacturers, right? We still see some carriages around, like in cities, uh, for horses. Uh, how often that's done, if they're just a custom one-off that somebody made themselves versus an actual manufacturer. I don't really know. Not It's not my industry. Um but again, they're not huge operations like they once were. And also gone are the people to shove all the literal horse crap out of the streets, right? There's They're not there anymore, and all those jobs are taken. Granted, again, that didn't happen overnight. There's still horses around for some time from the really the start of the manufacturing, like the Model T, to, you know, everyone having one, to now cars being, you know, the norm versus, you know, horses, same with like ATMs, right? Um, it probably took a while for that adoption to uh, really set in place. And now we have an even bigger disruption with online banking to where you don't even need to go to a bank, right? Or an ATM. You can, you know, deposit checks through your phone. You can, like you never have to visit a bank. Um, the credit union that I'm a part of, I've never stepped foot in a branch. It's always, you know, been via my phone uh, for check deposits or for cash. I just go to an ATM. They reimburse me for ATM fees. Um, They can pay me a higher interest rate because, again, they don't have any of that infrastructure in place. So pretty cool. Um, But again, there's, I guess, probably less jobs because of it. And that's really the, I guess, some of the trade-offs, right, that, through the the use of technology and innovation, um, the jobs shift. They go from you know being tellers to people making ATM machines. Do you need as many people to make ATM machines? Probably not. But again, it, it's a low skill type of job, right? A, a teller at a bank 
isn't very highly skilled, right? They need to be able to do some basic math and count um, and be there. And a lot of the time, you know, they're not being uh, utilized, right? They're, they're there to service customers, but for most of the day, or a good chunk of the day, I'm sure they have nothing to do. So again, they're there to service customers and to match, um, you know, when customers come in versus not is a, is a little bit of a difficult thing since it's not, you know, a scheduled type of operation. Whereas an ATM is always there, always on, always operating, doesn't have to uh, take breaks and it, you know, needs to be refilled every once in a while, but as does cash in a bank. So it's not that much different and really, um, probably has a little more security to it. Um, nobody gets harmed in those types of robberies. You know, if someone breaks into a an ATM, uh, no one's hurt. Sure, there's cash loss, but um, where in a bank robbery, you know, you you have more risk for bodily harm. So, I I think about that in terms of like disruption to industry, because you know there's a lot of benefits actually to that ATM. You know, for the consumer, it's a lot more convenient. For the bank tellers, it's safer. Um, sure, they might not need as many of them, but um, I think on the whole, it's really better for uh, the economy. Same with like a car, right? We can travel now hundreds, if not thousands of miles very quickly. Um, you know, planes also <laughs> help in that regard. But just like in your local town or um, being kind of autonomous in the way that you get around, you don't have to rely on a horse and its food needs. Sure, you got to fill up gas in a car, but um, it's a lot easier than a than a horse. You can travel a lot further, a lot more comfortably. Um, listen to your music. It's climate controlled. You're not getting hot. You're not getting cold. Um, all those things can um, you know are regulated within a car. Even the most simple car that has you know heat and air conditioning, um, and which is pretty standard nowadays. Even power windows are pretty much standard. So in that right? We have just higher luxuries, higher convenience, um, than a horse ever did. So that's really cool. And then you look to like where cars are going, right? Elon wants to do, uh, autonomous cars. And in that it's really going to probably mean less parking garages overall. Um, again, this is probably like a 10 year thing to, we start seeing real effects of it with you know just the adoption rate of autonomous cars and how that happens but now you won't need as many parking garages because those they won't be full right the cars will be out picking up people they won't be parked it'll be out and about doing its thing uh you'll see probably more charging stations especially if it's going to be electric cars like teslas to do that pickup um and transfer of people around the city so again, that's pretty cool. Um, and if it's electric, that means less emissions within a city. So you're not going to get the, the pollution um, that cars do cause throughout a city. You're going to have you know higher utilization rate of that car. Again, so less, less parking lots, maybe more park space. It could be revamped for that. Um, and just probably like less congestion because now with autonomous cars, as you're seeing with like Uber and Lyft, more people can carpool in the same vehicle, which again makes it a lot more efficient for uh, mobility around a city, uh, less congestion, all those types of things. Again, because people are more carpooling um, around. And but the whole point of this and the the car piece, as with any of it, is really the economy decides what's happening, 
right? That's the great thing of capitalism is that, you know, the, the market decides what is going to happen. The market decides if that, if autonomous cars are really a thing, if like, just like Uber and Lyft have taken off, right? The market's decided that, hey, this is cool. This is convenient. We like it. It's going to, it's a solution. It's on demand. We're able to, you know, do that just like, well, and changing gears a little bit. So, well, we'll stay with this. So in cars and really this technology piece and autonomy, you know, we're seeing a lot of movements. We'll see some changes in how the environment's structured. Um, I think Uber just even announced that it wants to do some skyports. So we're going to see more um, vertical takeoff landing vehicles to, again, move people around cities. So we're going to see more of that, and there'll be autonomous, um, just big drones, basically, to move people around the city. So you're going to see, you know, kind of evolutions in uh, transportation, and that's really, really cool. And the the thing overall is that it, it's going to make our lives better. And to transition that to technology, right, and autonomy, autonomous uh, vehicles, cars, that kind of thing, um, we're seeing a lot more of it become or come into construction. And one of the biggest impacts that it's going to have is on especially like remote areas. So you think mining, you think windmills, you think probably solar farms, that these are all in very, very remote areas, typically. Um, there's smaller populations, there's it's hard to get vehicles to it. Now it's hard to find operators. Now somebody's got to stay in a hotel or, you know, find some other lodging for extended periods of time to develop these sites, right? To level the land, to put in the solar farm, level the land, put in the windmill, um, or in mining, you know, to be there for years, you know, 50, hundred years, whatever, uh, to, to mine that area. So what we're starting to see is more autonomous vehicles in these off-road and you know construction industries, right? So that's you know dirt leveling, uh, autonomous haul trucks, and bulldozers, uh, graders, excavators, all of those to really help improve and drive efficiencies with these remote areas. Right now, one guy can come out with an iPad and a site plan, overlay it, you know, and then have. He can operate multiple pieces of equipment out in the field, you know, an excavator, a dozer, a skid steer, um, and they can all be autonomous. They all have um, sensors on them to stop if, you know, somebody gets in the way or a dog or whatever. Um, I mentioned a dog because in the ad uh, and video for one of the companies, uh, a dog walked in front of a, a bulldozer and uh, it saw it and stopped and waited for the dog to move. And then um, kept going. So that's really cool um, in how that they're able to recognize and notice other objects, you know, and for humans and for safety, really on a on a job site. But again, one person can operate multiple pieces of equipment, do it from an iPad effectively, and you know, then they could operate all night. Or I don't know what the supervision requirements are, but they could, you know either keep going or whatever without supervision, you know, shut down when they're just low on fuel or, you know, the job's complete. Again, really, really, really cool how that happens. And we're just going to see more and more robotics uh, come to the site 
I think in site work, obviously there's not as many safety constraints or concerns. Sure, there's still safety requirements around that, but you can basically, it's a clear open piece of land, very few people, and uh, you can have the robots you know, do their thing in those, those types of situations. So I think that's obviously why they started in those areas, and then we'll see them uh, slowly inch their way into the construction site, right, into the building, into, um, you know, putting up drywall. We're seeing some of that uh, today. There's obviously robots that can put down masonry and uh, brick facades, which is really cool. And I, the way that I th- see those pieces, right, the the drywall, the masonry, is that they're really assisting masons in, you know, putting it up. Now you need somebody to only really carry the bricks and it might be you even take a skid steer and you drop a pallet next to it and then load it from there so again you're really not carrying anything too far you're not making the repetitive motions with your hand to put mortar on a brick and then lay it Uh, the robot's going to do it correct it'll be straight Um, the mortar will be even every single time and that's really the beauty of it but also now these masons don't have to continually, um, you know, wear out their hands. They, you know, probably have health problems later on just because of the hard work, being on their knees, bending over, um, back problems, things like that. And, you know, the beauty of it is now they can do uh, higher skill tasks. They can do maybe some of the more uh, unique and ornate pieces versus just a straight wall. So now you're getting um, more skill really within the trade versus somebody to just, you know, keep slapping mortar on some bricks and stacking them, uh, stacking them up. So that's the way that I, I like to see these tools being used is really to, to make people's lives better. Um, and masonry companies, just as well as anything else in construction, is running into a labor shortage. Um, you know, it's hard to find people, costs go up. So having tools like this, you know, now you can still bid the job competitively as well as you know, really, you're not looking for people, you can do it on time, all the things that come into a construction project. So really, really cool technology. And I see, you know, it not completely wiping out the need for masons, you know, there's still going to be some unique uh, circumstances for them and to have a really skilled uh, craftsman for, you know, unique and ornate pieces, but for the, you know, typical by and large, um, you know, brick facade, you're not going to need anybody to do it. And, and that's really the beauty of now the world we live in of construction. Um, since not a lot's changed since the pyramids, we're now seeing more drastic changes um, in construction. You know, first it was really cranes and steel um, to really help build things versus pulleys and ropes. So that was kind of the first big change in construction to, to be able to erect the high rise in the early 1900s. Now we're starting to see um, other, you know, technology and tools come to, to the site. You know, cameras are being um, very common. There's other safety vests and things like that to really help worker safety so that not, you know, uh, an, a fatality or an accident is not as prevalent on a job site as it once was, you know, like 100 years ago. Um, so that that's really cool to see. Um, iPads and technology are becoming really, really big, like planned grid, um, sold to Autodesk for $875 million and really planned grid just handled punch lists, right? Allowing you to take pictures and see a site after it uploaded plans, uh, very, very simple tool, but very prevalent and obviously worth, um, 
close to a billion dollars. So very cool acquisition. And now with PlanGrid um, in Autodesk, they were able to do some other uh, unique features with Revit syncing and, and pieces like that for um, the job site. So we're seeing more of this technology come into into the workplace and, you know, whether it's robotics, whether it's, you know, digital plans to where you're carrying an iPad versus, you know, a huge roll of drawings. And then it's really also because of the innovations that we're able to do. It's because of labor shortages, frankly. Um, this also goes to the engineering side as well as the the construction side of things. You know, the workforce in construction, it's, it's hard to find people that want to do that hard work, that manual labor, the craftsmen of, you know, putting a building together, as well as just the cyclical nature of it. So if you're out of work for a while, you tr- tend to look for something else to do. And I think that's some of the reason why we're seeing some of those la- labor shortages, granted in the last 10 years, um, you know, work's been pretty good, pretty heavy. But in 2000, you know, nine, 10, there was a lot lost because of, you know, the financial collapse, the housing market collapse. Um, and in those, you know, from really probably nine to 12, the lack of construction projects that were going on. So really cool to, you know, now see that coming back. But also that means, you know, in a, any downturn, you're, you're bound to lose labor force. And without a strong labor force as it is, you know, those projects are going to be much harder, harder to come by. So I think that's why we're seeing this rise of robotics as well as, you know, more engineers, more science people are going into those types of industries. You know, they're going into phones and technology and robots. Um, just it's a lot cooler than buildings. So even on the engineering side of projects, we're seeing you know, fewer and fewer uh, engineers going into the building trades. And then those that are, you know, need um, a good amount of training. It takes years. Construction obviously has long cycles, meaning that, you know, we we can't iterate through um, a a building project, you know, like a hospital takes a couple years to really from design all the way through to construction and operation. It takes a couple years to see that whole process all the way through Versus like software, you know, you could literally do something in a weekend and have it up and running. Um, So you're able to learn a lot faster, a lot quicker versus, you know, these large construction projects where it takes a lot of time, a lot of cycles and years really do mean something in that industry because you're able to see all these buildings come up, um, you know, different problems that people encounter. So that's that's part of the, the construction trade and trying to, you know, speed up those iteration cycles um, would really be beneficial to, you know, the engineers and everyone else uh, a part of it. So by bringing robotics, now you can speed up cycle times. Because at the end of the day, you know, building owner um, or landowner, really, they want their they want their solar farm up and running, they don't want construction, they want a, you know, working solar farm, they want a wind farm, they want a building, uh, whether it's a, a hospital, a house, um, multi-family apartment buildings, offices, um, whatever it might be, you know, they want that up and running as quickly as possible. They don't want construction. They don't really want design. Um, you know, they want a building, obviously they need design, they need construction, they need all those pieces, but at the end of the day, it's not what they're looking for. Right. Um, it's like the old adage goes, you're really looking for, uh, a hole, not a drill, but it really you're looking to, you know, whatever it is you might be wanting to hang, right? Like I want to hang cabinets. I don't, 
I don't need a hole. I need a place to put a screw. <laughs> you know, that's that's really what it what it ends up being is I want a cabinet and you know, the drill's the way to for me to put a hole in the wall to mount the screw to hold the cabinet. That's the end piece that I want. It's not the hole that I really want. It's um it's the cabinet. Just like a building owner wants a building, uh engineers want maybe construction documents, right? But in at the end of the day it's the building that is the ultimate piece. It's not the hole, it's not the drill, it's not the screw, it's the cabinet and what it does. Now it holds cups. <laughs> that's that's really what we're we're aiming for. So robotics is gonna, you know, help us get there. Um design technology on the you know, for the design side of things, right? Like automating the uh production of construction drawings is gonna really speed up that piece again for the labor shortage that's on the engineering side, right? The training and everything else that needs to go into it. Um, you know, these automation tools are going to help the industry to, to move faster. It also means that a little guy, right? A single engineer in a firm can now compete with the biggest, um, engineering firms in the world because they all have the same tools, the same access to produce drawings, right? At scale, what it meant to be big is that you had a lot of people. So you were able to produce, you know, big buildings in the, you know, reasonable time frame, right? So if you had three, four months to work on, say, a hospital, and you needed 20 people to work on it, right? You know, five people from each discipline or more that you were able to put, you know, those people on the project, you had the bench capability to do that, as well as all the other projects that you're working on, to really crank that project out to get construction drawings done, delivered, you know, reviewed, everything else. So that's the um, beauty of what these automation tools can really provide is that a single engineer or maybe a two-man team or whatever uh, can produce the same scale of drawings as a really large firm. So now competition is pretty much leveled because you have this automation technology to you know, assist these small firms in producing you know, drawings at the same scale for anyone else. So then it's um, really a matter of marketing for that small firm. It's not a matter of, you know, do you have the bench to do it? You know, the doing it is, um, regard, you know, doesn't matter. The, the doing it is mute. The technology field levels it. And that's really what the internet's done for, for many things is they've leveled the playing field to allow people to, you know, uh, produce at scale, right? Anymore, you don't have to have a server farm to create a website and $50,000, you can make it for free on like WordPress or um, Square or some of these other sites. So I, there's a lot of leveling uh, technology that's come into fruition. Sure, and some of the, well, so on the construction side, obviously you're gonna have to pay for it. Um, that's just how it works uh, because it is saving you so much time and, and engineering rates, you know, $100, $150 an hour. You know, if you're saving 10 hours uh, at a given time frame, in a month, right? So a thousand dollars would be a fair price for that, right? Break even, and most of these technologies are going to save you more than ten hours. So it's really worth the investment. You know, you're you're saving more time than you're spending on dollars. So right, if you if you get back twenty hours, now you can market, you can sell, you can do a lot more in that same time period than you would have um, had you not had the software at a thousand dollars a month, right? So pretty easy ROI calculation there. Um, and then it just allows you to do more projects faster. And more than that, you're going to have probably more than one project. And if it saves you that 20 hours on multiple projects and the same time period, you know, it's, it's a real no brainer.
So one piece in robotics that I want to touch on, I know I'm uh, changing topics here, is just to give you an idea of what the market for robotics and just robotics and construction um, and the projection through uh, 2025. This is by Tractica is where I got this graph and these numbers. So in 2018, um, it was really at $20 million uh, a year. In 2019, we're about uh, $50 million um, in revenue. And then 2020 is projected to be about 100 and, uh, or $80 million. 2021 is probably $110 million. Uh, 125 in 2022, uh, 175 in 2023, 2024 is 200 million, and then it's really uh, end of 2025 to get up to um, 226 million is the the project projection by 2025. So that means you know robotics and its uh, prevalence across the industry is really going to be um, broad and. You know, there's going to be more technology being uh, that comes to fruition, not just these, you know, one, two, five off projects for a given company, but a lot more that's coming out. You know, more solutions are going to be out there. There's a robot that even lays down chalk lines for, um, you know, your framing outlines and your layout. So that's, you know, something that was pretty simple for somebody to do. Now a robot's doing it. Um you know, you lay in your, your floor plan, your framing, and a robot can go and lay all the chalk lines so that your layout is done for you. So things like that, right? They're going to do a specific task and they're going to, um, be really good at that task. So we're going to see more robotics. We're going to see more design tools. We're going to see more software coming through, um, more GPS enabled, uh, devices, electronic controls, um, drones, topographic mapping, um, and all the software, especially with, um, more and more computing going to the cloud. Now you're going to be able to crunch more numbers. You're going to be able to do more design optimization, all these types of things. So I see it as a really good thing. It'll be a really great thing for building owners. You know, they might have a lighter building, uh, more energy optimized. So they have a lower HVAC bill. It doesn't take as much steel to, uh, build the building, and it's going to be structurally sound, able to you know meet all the codes, earthquake, wind, um, everything else that that a structure needs to withstand, depending on the location. So you're going to see all these um, real technologies come through to really optimize the construction and building and design of uh, of the world around us. So I'm I'm super excited for what's to come. It's going to be bright, and um, you know, for me and Cowboy Studios, I hope that we have well, we will. We will have a part in uh, on the design side and uh, maybe eventually in the robotic side of things. So stay tuned for that one. And um, again, hopefully you enjoyed this piece on construction technology. There's a lot of things coming out, a lot of you know automated pieces from, again, dozers, uh, graders, automated haul trucks, uh, robots helping put up drywall, uh, drones doing topographic mapping for a site. Um, you know, other th- innovations within crane technology. So we're seeing a lot more uh, really come to fruition. Um, robot doing layout lines. Um, robots, you know, are going to help do a lot, lot more in the, the coming years. So stay tuned and uh, I'll be sure to update you on other innovations that I see throughout the industry, as well as, you know, some of the pieces that we will be doing here at uh, Calvin Studios. 
So again, thanks for listening. Um, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Dylan A. Mitchell, D-I-L-L-O-N-A, Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, and uh, let me know what you think. And um, you know if there's any topics that you want to hear or uh, come through in the construction industry. So again, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.